This is the Horse Radio Network. After a year of ups and downs, the long-delayed Olympic Games will be here before you know it. Doug Payne stops by to give us an American team update, but not everybody has been able to ride through the pandemic. This week, we're also talking about headbutting. Thanks for tuning in. From Heels Down Mag, a podcast where horse pros chat about what's happening in the horse world over drinks. Welcome, Welcome to Happy, to Happy Hour. Hour. I'm Justine Griffin. I'm Jessica Payne. And I'm Ellie Wasnicka. Welcome to episode 88 of Heels Down Happy Hour. Hey, guys. Hello. So you're in Kentucky, right, Jess? Yes. We have been here for a couple weeks, and we showed the first week, this past week, we were showing, and it was like raining. We had more rain delays than I've ever had at a horse show. And then this week, it's like beautiful weather. So it's been a lot of fun. Probably a very different landscape than when you were in Kentucky last time, huh? So I was like at the show office and like checking in and I think everybody just like kept staring at me because they did a really good job this time at the show office uh, for the jumper shows. You checked in on the outside. So it was still very social distancing. You didn't go inside the building. Everybody stayed out. But the amount of people and the amount of like vendors and the amount of like everything is like quadruple doesn't even like do it. There are over, I think there's almost 1800 horses here. Wow. And it's nuts. It's so big. They have hunters, they have jumpers, there's people everywhere. I mean, everybody's doing a great job. Like still, I mean, we're outside and if you're not vaccinated, they like, you do see some people like wearing masks and stuff, but I think the majority of people are like vaccinated and it's outside. So it's pretty safe, but it is so crowded. It's unbelievable. So I just like took a step back and I was like, huh, looks a little different than like six weeks ago. Wow. So Ellie, I wonder if we'll talk about this later, but just, uh, (laughs) I get this text from Ellie over the weekend and it's just like, Hey, I'm on my way to the ER. Do you have a minute for me to call? (laughs) Oh my gosh. I'm like out with my husband. Like we just saw a movie. Uh, it was the first time I've been in a movie theater, by the way, in more than a year, but then I'm like, I have to take this call. (laughs) And (laughs) Maybe we'll get into this later, Ellie. But yeah, oh, it was oh we funny. will. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so Ellie's not having as good of a time as I am, is what you're saying. Oh, I I've got quite a big thorn in my uh, um. Ha ha. Um, quite literally. <laughs> yeah, it's a good story. This episode is brought to you by Eagle Gold. If you haven't seen the latest flip half pad mat. It now comes in white on white, and it is gorgeous. It comes with all the same shimmable impact protection. Eagle Gold is known for, and it just has a beautiful new sleek look just in time for the summer show season. You could check them out for yourself by going to eaglegold.ca. So I'm going to bring the drink this week, and since we're in Kentucky, I thought we had to do a Kentucky Mule, but I've been doing a bit of a spinoff on it. So since we've been in Lexington, we've gone to a couple different places and been able to try some really cool bourbons, 
And I've been doing a Kentucky Mule with a rye in it. And I've tried a couple really cool ones. I've tried the Wilderness Trail rye and the Basil Hayden rye and a couple different other ones. And I'll share it in the show notes and everything else. But they have been such a good kind of different twist on a Kentucky Mule. So what you do with it is you have two ounces of bourbon. And I've been doing the bourbon rye. And then you have half an ounce of lime juice, freshly squeezed. And then you have ginger beer. Some of the local restaurants here have had their like own house recipe for ginger beer. So they've been actually really, really good, some of them. And then you can actually garnish it with a mint sprig. And you just add the bourbon and the lime juice to a Moscow Mule cup, like the big copper cups or highball glass. And you fill it with ice and top it with ginger beer. And then you can garnish it and you're all set. They've been Mm. so good. That sounds really good. It's That's really like good. a really nice summer drink, like something with a little bit of a kick, you know? Yeah. And it's, you know, it's got a bit of the spice from the ginger beer and everything else. And so we've been trying different kind of rise and stuff with it. And so it's been fun. So I have a little joke for you guys. Don't laugh at me too much. But so, you know, I think it's turned into like this big concept of Ellie can't make drinks. So I've been trying to really hard to like, <laughs> you know, make them actually look a little nicer. And Matt and I found this like huge mint bush in, um, on our property, but it's in the road ditch, like right by the road. But so we've been using that (laughs) to garnish our drinks. I mean, it's real mint. I guess it doesn't matter that it's in the road ditch, but, um, as long as you (laughs) clean it, I mean, you do wash it off. Matt goes out there and he's weed whacking, just like picking and eating mint from the road ditch. I'm like, Oh my God. We look so trashy. Right <laughs> I'm like, I'm awesome. like harvesting mint from the road ditch. Don't mind me. <laughs> so I'll have to, I'll have to try this and uh, top it with my, uh, my roadside mint. <laughs> road mint. Oh my gosh. <laughs> All right. What do you guys got for news? I can go first. So I uh, am super excited to talk about this because Courtney had a bit of a, like taking it. So at Burley, she kind of has been talking to everybody about like meeting grooms association and they do have the British grooms association. And she talks to all the grooms, but basically having like grooms liaisons or like people to talk to at different events. And so now the grooms get a long overdue recognition from the FEI and they're actually going to start a new international grooms association. And so they basically like put together this whole association that will be a big partake for like the grooms and have a voice and that they can have this. So like how they can improve and basically keep them all informed. So I'm really excited that, you know, she had a big partake in this and that they can really do a lot with it. Oh, that's our Courtney, huh? I'm proud. I know. I know. She's (laughs) like, but I mean, it takes like a whole village and everybody knows that. And so that now that they can basically be part of it and everything else that they have had the British Groups Association and everything else, but now it can go to the international level of being recognized by the FEI. I think that's so huge. Absolutely. That is so cool. Yeah. So I found this really interesting article on the horse about headbutting, which I'm not going to lie. I'm totally guilty of letting my horses uh, do this when they're young. And then I regret it later because I'm like, Oh, look how cute it is. He's just head me with his nose. And it's fine when they're like, you know, as tall as your hip, but then uh, when they get older and they do it in your chest and like basically scoop dunk you and it's very painful. Uh, it's not so funny anymore. So I found this interesting article, which talked about like 
first understanding like the reasons why horses headbutt. Um, and they kind of broke it down to two sections, you know, really realistically, you know, yes, it could possibly be some of it's just cute and they're trying to just interact with us on a social level that makes sense to them, you know, like horses headbutt each other, you know, push each other all the time with their noses. So it could be that. But then they said the second scenario is also looking for kind of a sense of control and a sense of agency. So like if if a horse headbutts you and you step away, whether it's voluntarily or not, um, you know, they're kind of getting that us to move out of their space. So there's two kind of, you know, different needs. Is it the social attachment and affection or is it that need for agency? But they talked about either way that it's probably not you know, (laughs) the best behavior to have. But they said the best way really for them to get conditioned kind of out of uh, headbutting is working on doing something else instead. Um, So if they headbutt to like, you know, say back and back them up instead, which I have been trying to do with Q because he's big culprit (laughs) of this which he's not really a fan of. He's like, why can't I just headbutt you in the boobs like I always do? But I think it's really interesting. And I have noticed a difference just doing this for a couple of days with my horse. So I, I like the concept of giving the horse something else to do that's not pushing in our space. I think that safety reminder is something that we could always touch on, you know? Definitely. What about you, Justine? So I have an interesting story that is somewhat science-based, but it's maybe a little bit controversial too. So Equestrian Canada is introducing a pilot program where they're going to be measuring nosebands. And they're doing this with, you know, horse welfare in mind. Um, and basically they 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 want to use what uh, the data that they gather in this pilot program to work toward implementing a new rule that will basically ban nosebands that are too tight. So, you know, I think there have been enough studies published that we know that, you know, nose bands that are too tight cause harm to the horses. They can cause mouth ulcers and lesions on the lips and tongue. It could potentially make horses more vulnerable to um, like a depressed state. Actually, it can affect their breathing ability when they're working. So basically, uh, this committee within Equestrian Canada is uh, launching this pilot program where they want to basically measure nosebands and make sure that a noseband is not tight enough, um, like basically that you can put two adult fingers between the noseband and the and the frontal nasal plane of the horse, uh, just to make sure that there is enough, I don't know if space is the right word, but like, uh, like the noseband is not tight enough that it's that pressed to the horse's face, if that makes sense. And the goal, again, is to is to recommend implementation of a rule uh, that would ban too tight nosebands. So uh, this is a pretty big shift, right? You know, we, we've heard some of these things uh, talked about in the past. Like I said, there's been some research done. But to actually implement a rule, I think one is great. Anything that helps protect the horse's health, I think, is, is a good idea. Uh, and I like that they're using, that they are doing this period of like a pilot project so that they can collect data and propose a rule that makes sense. So we'll see when, you know, when, what they learn from this and like when they collect the results, but the pilot's going to take place with about 30 officials from Equestrian Canada at all levels of their sanctioned competitions across the country this year. And then I think they'll reevaluate from there. 
Yeah, they came up with like a little taper gauge, uh, like a little plastic thing that they could slide under the nose band to kind of get a good read on if it's too tight or not. Huh. I like that idea. I wonder how that'll play in with, you know, a lot of the new, you know, Miklum type bridles and the uh, like crank nose bands. Be interesting to see. Right. Like if there's a difference between styles, uh, that's I'm curious to see that too. I think nose bands, you tend to see the tightness issue more in dressage. I don't know, Jess, you might be able to correct me, but I feel like that's where I see it most. Maybe, maybe in some eventing horses with cross country, but I feel like that's more of like a flash issue for breathing. Yeah. It's more just the dressage that they're kind of concerned about. Right. Right. Yeah. So that'll be interesting to see. Just another shout out to everybody who has donated to us on Patreon. We really appreciate everybody who contributes, whether it's every once in a while or uh, every month. It's great. And we love being able to hang out with you guys on our Facebook page and being able to talk and goof off um, on this podcast with you. So if you guys want to donate, go to patreon.com slash heels down. That's P-A-T-R-E-O-N dot com. So, Justine, I'm really jealous of you right now because you got to try the Smart Pack Eliza Field Boots, didn't you? I did. Um, yeah, and I'm happy we to talk to a you. a little bit. Yeah, I'm happy to talk about them. <laughs> so, they couldn't have come at a better time because my current Field Boots, I'm, like, gluing together. <laughs> like, literally, just, like, a couple of weeks ago, I was like, wow, this is really falling apart. Let me glue this back together. So, I, I'm in, you know, I was in the market for a new pair of field boots. And as someone who is tall and it, like, I'm quite long from like hip to ankle, like, you know, when I have to compress myself in the saddle, I'm just long. So finding a pair of field boots that fit that are not like outrageously expensive because they're a custom pair of boots can be really tough for me. It's just something I've struggled with since I was like 14 years old and tall, you know? So I tried the Eliza tall boot and I was, I'm being completely honest. I was really impressed for the, you know, for the price, the quality of this boot. So what I liked most about them is they have a really great stretch panel in the back. And I'm not going to lie. I'm normally not a fan of stretch panels and boots because I just, I don't like the look of it. I want all leather, you know, like I don't want to be able to see the stretch panel, but this one is very strategically placed and you can't see it when you're riding. Uh, but it makes a big difference just in like, I don't know if mobility is the right word, but like my ability to use my leg and like a new pair of boots, you know what I mean? Like it felt, um, it helped the boot feel almost more broken in. Oh, and okay. yeah. It, it, yeah. Like it moved with my leg. Like I wasn't like stuck in the, in this pair of like brand new boots that don't move. So what else I like about these boots is they have a memory foam footbed and it is crazy comfortable. And think about like how many hours we spend at the barn in tall boots, whether you're at the horse show or you're like in between horses being on the wash rack. My feet are always sore uh, in, just in wearing boots, uh, paddock boots, tall boots. It doesn't matter because we. I just feel like most of them don't have a lot of support and they don't really have a lot of room to put like an insole in there to give you more support. But uh, these are insanely comfortable because of that memory foam that they have embedded in there. I feel like I could wear these boots all day. Uh, and I'm, I'm just, I don't know if I could say that at, of, about any other pair of tall boots that I've ridden in before. So for the price they're you know, they're extremely durable. I feel like this is a pair of boots I could use all, all year long and not have to worry about them falling apart. 
if I had to have one critique, like I said, I have a hard time fitting boots to me because I have a long leg. And uh, the Eliza tall boots don't have a tall option. So they come in a regular or a wide in terms of calf width, but they only come in a regular height. So I would love it if they came in a tall height just because I have a long leg. But um, but to be honest, the regular height, is, you know, it actually fits my leg quite well, too. So um, I'm not that concerned about it. And the Eliza tall field boots comes in two different colors. So if you've ever been drooling over a pair of brown boots like I have, um, <laughs> they, they do have them available on their website. And again, you could find these boots by going to smartpackequine.com. They're the Eliza Tall Field Boots, and uh, we hope you check them out. Hey, guys. I'm super excited to introduce our next guest, Selena O'Hanlon. She is a longtime friend of the Canadian team as well. So Selena is a longstanding member of the Canadian eventing team and has so far represented in Canada at the Olympics, the World Games, and Pan Ams. And she's a lifelong equestrian competitor who's developed the ability to bring on different horses through the eventing level successfully. She's also a gifted clinician and coach, bringing her wealth of experience to every level she teaches. She's also a huge supporter of her community and donates her time to the Pony Club and eventing sport courses associated in her home base and community in Kingston, Ontario. Welcome. Thanks for having me. Thanks. So it has been such a crazy year and... Everybody has been dealing with this whole pandemic. Totally different. Is tell us a little bit. Is Canada still closed down? Are you guys slowly starting to uh, open just up? Last, yeah, just last Friday they changed it a little bit so that we were allowed to. Uh, I think they ran a clinic in Ontario last weekend, and I was actually at Bromont in Quebec. They had had a curfew and had been in lockdown for longer. So theirs was actually lifted. Therefore, they were allowed to run a, a kind of small Bromont. They didn't run the Bromont that they had intended because we couldn't get the Americans across the border. But I was able to compete there. And then our first event won't be until July. Everything can't had to cancel because everything was so up in the air and they kept extending the lockdown. And so... Even though a clinic ran last week in Ontario, the shows had already canceled previously for June. So we don't start competing in Ontario until July. Man, that's crazy. So, Selena, we have friends. Patricia De Silva is obviously in Canada. Um, and I know different parts of the country have been under different lockdowns, right? So can you explain that? Like, just are there certain areas that have been harder hit by the pandemic? And that's why they've been on these longer lockdowns? Or how, how is that working? I think... Um, they've struggled. I know they struggle in kind of the Mississauga Brampton area near Toronto because of the airport. And okay. that they were in the red zone and have been locked down since kind of November of last year. And Kingston did really, really well. Um, up, except for, of course, the university students, a couple of them ruined it for us. And we had really low numbers and we were able to go. Um, we did have a brief period. I can't remember when, but um, we did have a brief period where patios were open, but there's no in-house dining or anything like that. A lot of the stores were in lockdown originally, and you could only get curbside pickup for things like groceries and that sort of thing. But that has been lifted a little bit. And then um, Quebec had a curfew kind of in this early spring. They had a, a curfew and all sorts of things, and it actually helped them reopen a little bit earlier than us, I think. 
and then when we we were doing well and then when the new strain of covid happened the, the problem was the hospitals were just flooded um, with cases and they didn't have enough beds so the ford said that you the i can't remember the the special name for it but the kind of lockdown where they're allowed to move you from a hospital without your permission kind of thing um, was actually the only change for most people like in the Toronto area nothing else had changed and um, you're allowed in-house dining in Quebec now um, I don't think the patios have opened uh, in Ontario yet um, for outside dining but everything else is kind of getting back to normal and we're allowed to do sports and recreation and there's competitions and like soccer and all that sort of thing, but no spectators. Interesting. I mean, that is just, I'm in Florida and I'll just say like, that is a world of difference. Uh, <laughs> you know, like horse shows happened all year around this past year. Um, but can you tell me like what, what did riders and horse owners do during this time? Like for you, your clients, how did you guys kind of get through this? When the original lockdown hit, I, I was in Florida in 2020 and I had to come home early. So I came home in the morning because that's when everything was in total lockdown and you had to do curbside pickup and that sort of stuff. Riders weren't allowed to come to the barn and work the horses. So we were offering, um, you know, exercising your horse for kind of 20 minutes or whatever. And then last summer, you were able to come to the barn to to ride your horse, but we weren't allowed to do lessons. So then people had to keep all their equipment and stuff in their car or in their horse trailer because they couldn't come into they could come into the barn to get their horse and stuff. But we were actually having them tack up in the indoor arena, um, so they were spaced out that sort of thing. And then they were able to ride outside. And then we went through a period where you could have lessons and that sort of thing. Um, and that was kind of, we we looked to our federations and Ontario Eventing and that sort of thing for guidance um, in terms of when we were allowed to start lessons. So then we started lessons back up. And then more recently, the OEF, or sorry, OEA, I'm not sure what it's called now, said that you couldn't teach and as of last Friday, you could teach. It's it's really complicated, and you kind of have to go with – our borders have been amazing throughout the whole thing. The most frustrating part was not being able to compete and not being able to go to Florida. It really set me back. Last year, I injured and dislocated and, and broke my ankle in an accident hitting a tree. And um, so I, it's almost been a year. So I luckily got to go to Bromont last weekend, which was fantastic. But that, if I had left it if, till the first competition in July, which would have been Willowin, which was the site for the Pan American Games from 2015, that's where I broke my leg last August. So it would have been a whole year that I had not been able to compete. So we've been, uh, we had to improvise. We did a a course of online kind of clinics where we offered people they could send in video of their rides and then we would play the video back with them online and critique it and try and help them but we also offered six every Saturday at seven uh, six times we did kind of a clinic a demo so 
they videoed me on different horses doing different movements and we built on uh, the theory each week and my mom kind of went over what you know describing and trying to educate people and then at the end we did like a Q&A with my mom and I both together and people really 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 enjoyed that and it was also miserable weather anyway and then when the next lockdown hit more recently people asked us to do it again but it, we just didn't put it together it was it's, it's quite time consuming and now that it's warmer weather and we have you know, we are trying. We were trying to get the horses fit because we didn't know the shows in June were going to be canceled. So um, we didn't do another series, but there was definitely requests for it. And then I was really appreciative of Mars because I got to watch Tryon and I watched anything that was streamed. And I've been watching the events that have been streamed. This affected. I mean, you said your borders were really great. How has this affected, you know, upper level riders and Olympic team selection? Well, for for the upper level riders, um, I know that some of them went to Florida anyway. Um, and that was just a, a kind of decision that you had to make on your own. And this being the first pandemic that we have lived through, <laughs> we chose to stay home because I didn't have um, Foxwood High. He's retired now, so it didn't seem like a good idea to go and I know that a lot of people went to you know like Jess Phoenix um, didn't go this winter to Florida but she went to Kentucky to compete to get you know a run in and, and be seen by the selectors and that sort of thing but yeah I'm not sure I'm not sure how it went for other upper level riders who are kind of long listed. Um, and then, you know, Carl Slezak, he's based in Florida. So he was competing there and Holly Jacks has a property there. So, you know, many of the Canadian team members are actually based in America. So it didn't necessarily affect them as much as people like me. <laughs> so what's your future plan, Selena? Like now, now that things are slowly starting to open up, like, what do you want to do? How are you How are you keeping everything moving forward, knowing that this last year has been pretty hard? I had big plans to go. Since I wasn't going to Florida, I thought to myself, oh, I will go to Bruce Davidson's in Pennsylvania in May um, for a couple of weeks to use the hills because it's very flat where I live and try and get the horses fit and ready so I could start competing as soon as the first show in Ontario was meant to start, which was the last weekend, actually the middle of May. We were going to start showing earlier this year, probably because of COVID and everything, but they had to go into lockdown instead. And I couldn't get across the border and I couldn't take clients with me who would have liked to have gone with me. And, you know, that helps fund your trip because you're trailering people and giving lessons and that sort of thing. So I couldn't go to Bruce Davidson's in Pennsylvania. So I went um, to a friend's farm near Toronto in kind of Caledon area. And it's real horse country. And there's lots of hills there. So for the month of May, I took um, six horses. Anne-Marie and I took six horses and two young riders. And it was easy for us because we were all based at the same farm so there wasn't you know we were you're supposed to have a bubble and you're not supposed to you know travel and go to different places and that sort of thing so the two young riders one of them is doing school online and it was easy for us because we all lived on the same property so we weren't breaking any rules kind of thing and we did get the horses out on some hills so they were 
fit enough to go ahead and start with Bromont, even though I had to do the training level. So I wasn't able to upgrade the horses the way I wanted to. I would have liked to have gotten them going FBI to kind of newer, uh, younger Irish horses that I have. And the most difficult thing has been um, I can't, I haven't been able to do any clinics. I do a lot of clinics um, all over North America, but um, not, I would have to quarantine. So I did do one in November last year in British Columbia. And I didn't have to quarantine coming back because I was in Canada. But then they were trying to book another one this year. And the Maritimes, I believe, still is kind of their own bubble. And if you fly there and then you want to come back, you have to do the 14-day quarantine, which I had to do when I came back from Florida. 14 days of doing nothing, no horse contact, no anything. Luckily, a, a lovely... Um, client of ours lent Anne-Marie and I her cottage, her beautiful cottage, so we didn't go stir-crazy, but we were trapped inside for 14 days, and people delivered groceries to our door, so I don't want to go, I can't afford to go through quarantine again, so I know that the border has said if you're, you're in a, we're considered essential workers because of the horses, so I think I probably could get around it somehow, However, now it's okay again to fly to BC, so I'm hoping to go out there and do a clinic. But I keep having all my friends and clients in America contact me every month to say, can you come and teach us yet? So that is severely um, taken its toll on my income. (laughs) Oh, God, I believe it. We're just really happy to be able to compete again. It was great to get back out, and I look forward to July Fingers crossed the numbers are going down again. The cases are going down. The variant, you know, made a big impact and that seems to be settling down. And um, if you can compete, it's, you know, it makes it a little bit more worthwhile. It's just that because I have very little income (laughs) because I'm not able to teach, the cost of obviously the competitions is a little difficult, but if things open back up, I'll be able to do my clinics and therefore uh, get out there and get showing. Yeah, we hope so. Uh, we hope things keep trending in the right direction for you, Selena. But we really appreciate you coming on the show and talking with us. Thank you. Hey, no problem. Thanks for having me. All right, guys. So we've replaced Jess with Doug. Surprise, uh, just for now. Because <laughs> we Upgrade. had to catch a... <laughs> oh, I don't know if she'd agree with you, but... <laughs> I know it. <laughs> We couldn't not talk to Doug. I mean, he's going to the Olympics. So uh, we just wanted to get an update from you, Doug. How's it going? How's Quinn? What's the prep been like? Well, first off, I'm going to say it's a definite downgrade here. But, uh, yeah, no, Quinn is <laughs> Quinn is doing great. Um, we are at Split Rock right now, which is uh, our jumping tour, which is in Lexington, Kentucky. And we jumped here last week and this. And so Quinn did the meter 30s. He actually won his class last week. He doesn't need to do a whole lot, so... Um, we just did the one day, jumped really well, and we've just been trying to sort of refine the flat work. And the beautiful thing about um, Kentucky here, we had actually a ton of rain last uh, last week, so the footing has been perfect. So we've been able to do a couple gallops out here, and um, it's been it's been exceptional. So how old is Quinn? Uh, we joke that he brings a walker to the ring, so he's 17. <laughs> Aww. But I'll so tell you he- what, he keeps getting better and better, like, um, we've been lucky enough. Let's see. We've had him probably, I want to say six or seven years. I'd have to look back and figure out exactly, but he's probably actually sounder, stronger and better than he's ever been. 
That's so cool. And so is he the oldest of the horses going over? Oh, by a long shot. Oh, I don't know. Yeah, I mean, I would assume, right? Yeah. I would think uh, he's got to be the oldest. And, I was thinking uh, that too. And, and in our, our barn, he is absolutely the elder statesman. <laughs> oh, good for him. <laughs> oh, Doug, you're just going to pick on Quinn this whole time. <laughs> oh, no, no. Here's the thing. This is actually really funny. So we, I don't remember where we were, somewhere... I brought up the fact of his age and he's bringing the walker to the ring, but then he won. Right. And then the girls, I don't, Courtney, obviously this is like Courtney's like, I don't even know how he'll end up retired with her, like sitting on her couch for sure. Right. So, Aww. so she's like, no, no, you can't be mean to him like this. Right. So that she's like super nice the next time. And then he had a rail or something. And then the next time we're like, Oh no, we're definitely bringing the walker and he goes and wins. So he really likes a little bit of that edge and oh, yeah, uh, he- certainly rises to the occasion. Little taunt. <laughs> well, how often are you meeting and riding with the team right now? So we're lucky enough. Um, Peter Wild's been helping us jumping. And so he actually was here last week for two of the days. And um, Eric Devander was here. I mean, really, it's it's been it's been really nice. We've probably had him had some sort of help from one of the coaches, uh, probably near enough weekly since the teams were announced. And what's the riding routine like leading up to the games? You know, probably we keep as regular and consistent as possible because what we've done leading up to here has clearly worked. And not that we can't get better, but I didn't, you know, I don't think there's any need to do any sort of drastic changes. So after Kentucky, um, we're just ramping back up as far as fitness goes. We do a lot of, I mean, we try and take advantage of these bigger shows, jumper shows, because I think it's super helpful to be in a, chaotic big atmosphere um because clearly he's going to be right dead smack in the middle of it you know in a few weeks and so we try and make the most of it and you know see what we can do very cool so you've obviously traveled overseas with the horses before do you have any important tips or any like anything that's i remember one time just told us don't put your back on tracks on the horses because they take the boots off oh, yeah do you have- be, yeah and they'll be gone um you know we we're lucky enough now quinn is gone over uh, a good handful of times you know the thing that we found generally speaking the horses actually fly really well um we try to keep them as hydrated as possible but in many ways you know they're used to being on the road a lot and frankly flying is a bit easier i mean certainly takeoff and landing can be a little bit uncomfortable but frankly once they're in um cruise flight then it's actually quite a lot easier on them than driving might be um yeah, so they're they really do handle it pretty well. We we try to get them out as much as possible, you know. Sort of even say here, you know, we're at Kentucky, obviously for a week and a half, almost two weeks, and try to obviously hand graze and you know get them out, keep their legs moving, and do as much hacking as we can. And the same thing, once they travel over there, they're going to get the a chance to do the same. But you know, with um, with horses that are on the road as much as they are, if they have a sort of consistent group of people and you keep their conditions as best you can, as normal as possible, they really do handle it really well. Interesting. That's great. Yeah. So what else? What else is going on? I mean, are you enjoying the new farm? It looks beautiful. Oh, my God. Yeah, the farm is amazing. It's um, best way to describe it is like the worst CrossFit boot camp ever. I mean, I think our bodies are more <laughs> sore from lifting and moving and cutting and doing whatever it might be to get everything up and running, but have the opportunity to have it your own. And I, I think it's going to be an incredible place to develop horses in the future. Cause we're, we've already got 
far more than we've ever been able to do in the past at places we've been renting and that sort of thing. So being able to sort of design and build exactly what you want to maximize the time we have to spend with them, it's it's been it's been great. So I love the area. It's yeah, we can't really say anything anything bad about it, obviously, except for our overall body soreness for sure. <laughs> That's awesome. Well, Doug, we appreciate you uh, you joining us for a few minutes, but I think it's yeah, time sure. to bring bring Jess back. <laughs> Absolutely. No worries at all. You came, you rode, and you maybe stayed on. The Heels Down Horse Show Hangover Kit helps you get your last class on Sunday back to work on Monday feeling refreshed. Pick yourself up one as a gift at your local tax shop or in the Heels Down shop. So it's Rosenthorn time. And Ellie, do you want to go first? Oh, no. I'm saving mine for last. Best for last. All right. I think Justine, you're up then. (laughs) All right. Um, So I guess my rose will be, I bought a shad belly, my first ever shad belly. Yeah. That's exciting. It's exciting and also like nerve wracking because when it arrived, I was like, oh man, this is really happening. (laughs) Like I got to go do this now. So hopefully it goes well. You you're going to rock it. Like you, you feel like the coolest, like concert pianist when you wear a shad, like, trust me, when you know that it's, you hear music that sounded really weird, but it's cool. Okay. I put it on and Alex is like, what is that? <laughs> <laughs> Looks like you're going to like a men's like thing. And he's like, totally confused. I like know. Tails. I know. So I'm excited to wear it for once in my life, but yeah. Are you doing a derby? Yeah, I paid all the money and I'm going to WEC and I'm doing the derby. Nice. In the AC? In the AC, yeah. All in indoors. It's going to okay, be great. Dream, right there. You're not even going to sweat in the shed. Well, it's still pretty heavy, but yeah. <laughs> yeah. No, I'm excited. Like I'm, I'm paying all the money. I'm doing the real thing, man. So. For just this one time to say I did it, I think. <laughs> we'll see how it goes. I'm excited. Um, so that's my rose. My thorn. Oh, what's my thorn? I feel like I had one, Ellie. And I had it like logged in my brain. And I was like, I got to tell Ellie this so I don't forget. And then I didn't. I didn't tell you. So, of course, now I forgot. So you guys keep going and I'll think about my, my <laughs> thorn. That's at the amazing. End of this. <laughs> Well, I couldn't think of my rose because I was like, I had a good one. And it honestly is that we've talked about Kentucky so much. We've had so much fun. Normally we like stay up by the horse park and everything else. And we don't do much. And this time, like we've been here, um, we're here for like almost two weeks, almost two full weeks. So it's been so fun to like go actually like venture into like Lexington and like see what it has to offer and We've had some really good food and really good, like, tasting bourbons and just fun places. And, like, we've gone to places we've never been to. It's, like, been a lot of fun because we rented a house uh, right near downtown. But it's, like, been really easy to get to the horse show. So it's, like, best of both worlds. So I guess that's, like, basically my rose is that we've been able to, like, do other things and be in Kentucky and be able to show because the Spurt Rock show is so much fun. So even though there's a ton of horses... And it's been long days. It actually, it's a really, really well put together show. So we've had a lot of fun. But then my thorn would be, I'm so mad. So 
My thorn is definitely today. So my horse came up. I didn't show last week and he stayed at home and got ridden by Olivia and the girls, which was great. And so I showed him today and I took him into the 15s and I wasn't very going. I like my first jump was okay. It wasn't great. Um, but then I like was doing a short rollback and I made way too short of a rollback essentially. And I saw the perfect distance to the purple jump. But I was supposed to be jumping the blue jump next to it. Oh, no. <laughs> so, uh. no, my poor horse, it gets worse. I, I realized the last minute and just pull him out. Like, all right. And he's like, oh, my God, we were fine. And I was like, yeah, man, that wasn't the right jump, though. So then I circle <laughs> and I finished the course. And it was actually like he was so rideable and it was a really good course. And I went clean, except for the fact I tried to jump the wrong jump and had to circle. So, so, so annoyed because I don't know the last time I've done that. So that was pretty. Well, we all do that. Great. We all do that. Oh, I mean, we all do break. It. Yeah. Oh, I know. <laughs> it was just more annoying like, that, like, wrong. if I'd had, like, four down and I had a circle, like, well, that wasn't going to be great anyways. So. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but at least you didn't jump the wrong jump, right? So oh, you- exactly. No. And I was going to jump it backwards. <laughs> oh, no. Oh, God. So they were right next to each other and like one was purple and one was blue and I was supposed to stay out and jump the blue line and, um, yep. Didn't I turned in and I like locked in and last minute was like, Oh my goodness. And so I came out of the turns on perfect distance and then just pulled hard, right. Because I was like, I'm going to jump it backwards. Cause that's not my jump. So then I circled <laughs> and kept going and yeah, so annoying though. So, well, good news is I'm at a jumper show to get to go again in two days. So. There you go. Yeah. Oh my gosh. So that's definitely my thorn. So annoying. All right, Ellie, I Ellie, have my thorn. We, we've been wait. Okay, okay, you do yours first before Ellie. Before goes, we get the I big think... reveal from Ellie. Yeah, yeah. exactly. <laughs> All right. So mine, you reminded me. I went to a horse show last weekend, Jess, and um. Uh, it was not good. So I'm not going to lie. I was, I mean, it wasn't like terrible, but it just wasn't, it just reminded me of like, yeah, my horse was off for a long time. And it was our first time showing the hunters again since January. And I used this horse show as a prep event for WEC. And it just shows that we got a lot of, we got a lot of work to do in a month, you know? So not that anything was like overly terrible, but you know, with the hunters, like you just, like we got a lot of things to polish up, like little things, you know what I mean? Like don't give away, just don't give stuff away without, you know, like the little things that you can't, I can't clean up. So, um, there's a lot of transition work in my future is all I got to say. <laughs> nah. Apparently I just need to learn to count or see, see the colors. Apparently yes. I don't know the difference <laughs> in purple and blue. So were they like yelling at you? Like, no blue jump. No, they just thought I was coming to this awful awful like slice to the blue jump and yeah, i was no. like i wasn't <laughs> even close to coming to the blue jump like i had to pull right because so the purple was on the right and the blue was on the left and they thought i was just slicing it right to left and i was like it was it's a it's a line like i was going on a straight line to fence three so like i wouldn't slice it because then i wouldn't have made it to three so they just like that. Oh my gosh. She's making this like really awkward, like line to this jump. No, I know I was lined up for the wrong jump, man. Like I was on a jump, just not the correct one. So, oh my gosh. so now then I pulled out and they realized what I was doing. They're like, wow, I thought you were going to be on like this awful slice to your jump. And like, that's an inside turn. And I was like, no, 
Yeah. Not even close. Got it. All right, Allie, let's let's hear it. Okay. So <laughs> we have this thing in my family that we joke about. We call it the the Wozniaka curse. And it's a real thing. And it always happens in threes. So my birthday was last week and I turned 25, which is scary for me. But I know you guys were probably like, oh, yeah, 25 is no big deal. But it's freaky, you know, to be like a quarter of a century old and you still feel like you're 13. You know, 25 is a great year. Enjoy it. Yeah. So that's what that's what I was thinking was going to be. I was like, this is great. We're going to start at a horse show. This will be fun. I was wrong. So <laughs> I was wrong. <laughs> That's amazing. First, I warm up my friends. Uh, well, one of my clients and my friend, her spotted draft horse and somebody's lunging and she, she was abused real bad. So she heard a whip crack and I was like, Oh no, this is going to be bad. And she bucked real high and I came off like I just kind of bailed I was like this is not gonna I'm just gonna bail so I didn't like hurt myself or anything but I was like oh boy you know and she was really freaked out so you know, I had to walk around a bit before I got back on okay so that was the first one of the three. Oh, this is all one day yeah no no it's like in the oh. span, like four days yeah over the course of the horse show <laughs> oh yes so that that started that was the that was the day before my birthday then I get home and Batman was a little off and stuff. So I had him come out for a lameness exam and, you know, we did stifle injections last year and we did Adequan and um, he said, you know, let's try the hawks. And then if, if that still doesn't cut it, then we might have to do like yearly Adequan. And so I said, okay, so we got his hawks done on Monday. So he's inside and got hand walked. And then I finally got to ride him on Thursday and he was super sound. He felt awesome. I was so excited. My mom got me a new back cinch for my birthday. I was like, yeah, we're going to go show like this will be awesome. So, but then he gets turned out on Thursday night and he comes in, his foot is covered in blood and I'm like, Oh no. And it's really swollen. And I see this slice and at first, I don't think it's that bad. I'm like, it's a lot of blood, but maybe the slice isn't that bad. And then I start cleaning it and I kind of look and I'm like, oh, that's really deep. Oh, no. <laughs> so he got a slice on his pastern about six centimeters that went all the way down to the bone. So I had the vet come out and he she patched it up enough, but I had to take him to Cornell because they wanted to make oh, sure there's no joint. Wow. Okay. Yeah of the pastern joint or the fetlock because it was right in the middle. So if, if the cut had gone up or down, it kind of could have gotten into joint interference. Thankfully it was like super straight, not a big deal. We got him stitched up. He's on stall rest for two weeks. I have to keep wrapping him, but like out of all the outcomes, best one. For so sure. There's the second, the third one which is the one I was talking about in the beginning of the show was that I go to ride this like four-year-old horse that a client wants to take to a show this past weekend. And I get on it and I kid you not, I maybe went like four steps. Like we were in the outdoor four steps. She rears straight up to the point that my bra 
gets hooked on the saddle horn. So now this is great. She comes down, breaks my bra. Mind you, I'm wearing a $50 Victoria's Secret bra. So now I'm pissed, <laughs> right? I'm like, you son of a jerk. And so, and I'm not small chested. So my bra breaks. Okay. This horse is crow hopping, bronking. There are boobs flying everywhere. <laughs> I'm like, you've got to be kidding me right now. And then to top it off, she bucks so hard. And we, we had a basel on her with, um, Makati reins and I got, the rain went right through my hands so fast. I got this serious rope burn on my hand. Oh. And so she tries to exit the ring and she's still crow hopping this whole time. Oh and my gosh. She turned right and got me off and I fell right on a pile of rocks. <gasps> I don't know who has a pile of rocks in the corner of their outdoor arena, but in any case fell right down. And usually I pop right back up. But I was like, I just need a minute. So my butt was really hurting. I I have no bra. I'm basically braless. And um, I mean, I get back on. It's fine. Luckily, somebody had an extra bra in their car. I was like, does anyone have any vet wrap or something? Because like it's my only bra. And um, I got back on. Whatever, but then vet I, wrap. Oh my god! I came home and I was like, Matt, like I really like I like I've fallen off plenty. I was like, but this one really doesn't feel right. Like, cause I can't feel like my butt cheek. <laughs> so, um, like if I touch, like, just like, not even like, like if you poke it, I can feel it. But like, if you just like, if you put your hand on my butt cheek, which please don't put your hand on my butt cheek, I would, I can't like feel it the same way. And so Matt's dad's a doctor. So I called him and he was like, yeah, you should probably get an x-ray. And I'm like, oh, great. So I got to spend the night in the ER because I thought I broke my butt and I still can't feel my butt cheek. Oh, but the doctor's clear to you, right? Like you're okay. You're just real sore, right? Yeah. But here's the worst part, Justine, that I didn't tell you. Don't laugh at me. Oh, oh, oh. I'm in the x-ray machine. Okay. And they must've been talking about somebody else, but I thought they were talking about me. I hear, oh yeah, she's definitely pregnant. And I'm like, what? What? Like, what? And I'm freaking out. Right. Because they ask you, like, are you pregnant? I'm like, no, no, blah, blah, blah. And then they're talking about this. And I'm like, so here I am alone in the ER because Matt has to get hay up before it rains. And I'm like, oh, my God, am I pregnant? And then I'm freaking out. I'm like, I haven't, I've been drinking. I haven't been taking prenatal vitamins. I'm like, oh, my gosh. I'm freaking out. <laughs> so then the doctor comes in. And he's like, oh, good news is, you know, nothing's broken. And I'm like, and? He's like, and you should take Advil for the pain. And I said, and, and he said, and ice it. Like he was going to be <laughs> trying to like find something else to say. Uh, so I'm not pregnant, but, um, I was basically crapping my pants. Cause I'm like, oh man, I have a broken butt and, and I'm pregnant. <laughs> I'm broke. And I'm just like, <laughs> oh so yeah. Um, so hopefully that was the end of my three and, Maybe now you should be done. Yeah. Again. All right, guys. So we have a question from Sarah in our Facebook group. She wants to know what our thoughts are on those padded ergonomic bridles. Uh, not necessarily the Miklum ones, but uh, the ones that are like padded. They have the padded shaped crown for their ears and a padded nose band. So I think they're like, you know, those anatomical bridles is what she's talking about. So she is 
Sarah is curious because her horse has a very itchy face and um, he can also be kind of tight in the pole. So she's wondering if a bridle of this style would be uh, more comfortable for him. Um, would it be worth it? Cause they can be kind of pricey too. So I don't know. What are your thoughts, Ellie? Do you have thoughts? So I, I guess I didn't get one for this reason. Um, but I have, uh, what they call it. It's a physio bridle, um, from barefoot leather. I don't use the noseband cause I use it with my hackamore. Um, but it's one that kind of, I liked it cause it has this kind of drop throat latch. So I didn't have to worry about the martingale getting, you know, in his eye when it used the, the shank but in terms of you know i don't know if itching would really help like the pole stuff i imagine it would you know having like a thicker crown piece um and just kind of making the pressure points different mm-hmm. um but I, i'm not sure that the itchy face will really help you I mean you could try potentially not using a nose band or brow band and seeing if that helps with the itching but i think you'd have to probably you know i think you'd have to change like your leather cleaner in order to see that difference does that make sense yeah that makes sense to me i have a horse that is seasonally itchy like this time of year when he sweats on his face and he will rub in any bridle doesn't matter what type of bridle but i have one of those anatomical bridles too and I do like them. My horse has a big head for his body and he's he's kind of like boxy. So I will say that while I thought the design of the thicker noseband was nice, I took it off. So I used like the the majority of the head stall, but I swapped out the noseband because it was chronically crooked on his face all the time. And like no matter what I did. So it just like it didn't fit totally correctly. But I know a lot of people who are into those style of bridles um, and say that they do wonders for like softness just generally in their horses. And if you have a horse that has some pull pressure, you know, a lot of them have different designs that kind of like sit back behind the ears in a different way to apply pressure in other places. So I can't imagine it's um it's not worth trying, you know, it's just if you want to if you want to pay the money to try, I guess. But I, I agree with you, Ellie. I'm not sure it's going to fix the itchy face. I don't think a piece of tack is going to... Like, I don't think it's going to alleviate anything for you in that way. Right. Jess, what do you think? No, I think that, honestly, like, he's got an itchy face and stuff that, like, I would make sure to really clean his face with um, either, like, there's those sponges that have that soft side and a little bit of the scrubby side and like really itch his face and like scratch it for him and really get it clean. And even a little bit of soap and stuff like a mild ivory soap or something just to make sure he doesn't have any dandruff or his face isn't itchy in itself. But then, yeah, I'm not sure if the, you know, ergonomic bridle would help. I mean, it'd be worth looking into. And I, my advice would be to like, see if you can borrow one and see if it works. That's I, a good idea. I really try for like our clients and stuff is if they want to do something, I've never personally used one, but there's so many tech that I haven't used type thing, but I try to like give one something, you know, let somebody borrow it or borrow it for myself to see if that's kind of what I like use it for a little bit and then um, make sure you take care of it and all that. And then do the same, you know, pay it forward. Maybe if somebody needs a borrow tack or whatever else, I really try to like have everybody kind of swapping so that people can try things before they actually have to buy it. Cause tax expensive. So I try to like have it all get used first. That's a great idea. 
Yeah. Speaking of that, those kinetic derma cloth um, that I did those videos on, I like I use those on horses that have itchy faces because it's nice because you don't have to worry about like washing the soap off. Mm-hmm. So, and those are great for hot spots. So that would be another option to maybe do that and do that after you ride and just making sure you're getting all that sweat off. That's a good idea. So if you have a question for us and you want us to answer it on air, you can always send us an email at hello at heelsdownmedia.com. And if you want to hear more from us, you should subscribe to the Heels Down Spark. Uh, you can do that by going to bit.ly slash spark by HD. And you should join our Facebook group, the Heels Down Happy Hour Podcast Lounge. We want to say thank you to our sponsors this week. That's Equal Gold, Smart Pack, and Soap for Dirty Equestrians. All right, guys, that's a wrap. Cheers. Cheers. Here's to me not being pregnant. Cheers to you not <laughs> being pregnant. <laughs> Jesus. Jesus.